In Georgia Ag and Review for the week of January 28th, we start off with a Farm Bill update. Well, with the latest on the Farm Bill, we have Senior Vice President of the National Cotton Council, John McGuire, with a recap of where we currently stand. On the House side, Chairman Lucas has said that we need to get through the uh, the budget debates. There's going to be some significant budget debates, and so he wants to see how those issues are resolved, and then he's indicated that he'll probably start his markup in maybe early April. On the Senate side, Majority Leader Reid actually reintroduced the bill that the Senate passed last year and said that he would make farm policy a priority. And then uh, Chairwoman Stabenow said that she intended to try and mark something up uh, sooner than later. So I don't know whether the Senate will go first again. It's kind of an unusual situation, but I guess it's possible that the Senate might try and go first. As for last year's major hurdle of bringing the committee passed bill to the general membership, McGuire notes that Secretary Vilsack recently got criticized for saying rural America is losing its influence. My feeling is, is we haven't lost our influence. We're just not utilizing it efficiently. I think there's a lot of ambivalence about farm policy. People are tired. This will be the third time we've tried to do a farm bill in two years. We tried to do it with the uh, debt reduction in 2011. We did it with the fiscal cliff last year. Uh, everybody kind of knows the parameters we're working from. And I think that we need to make sure that especially Chairman Lucas and Mr. Peterson don't hear that we're criticizing them for not moving legislation, that the farmers have to push the leadership to say we don't want to lurch from short term to short term. We want a long term policy in place. And with big news for the cattle industry, Randall Wiseman has this. U.S. Trade Representative Ron Kirk and U.S. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack announced today that the U.S. and Japan have agreed on new terms and conditions pave the way for expanded exports of U.S. beef and beef products to Japan. Under the terms, which go into effect on February 1st of this year, Japan will permit the import of beef from cattle less than 30 months of age compared to the previous limit of 20 months. It is estimated that these important changes will result in hundreds of millions of dollars in exports of U.S. beef to Japan in the coming years. This agreement also goes a long way towards normalizing trade with Japan by addressing long-standing restrictions that Japan introduced in response to BSE. National Cattlemen's Beef Association President J.D. Alexander said this is great news for cattlemen and women and is a significant milestone in our trading relationship with Japan. We've been working on this for over, well, nearly 10 years now. And, uh, you know, this is something that we've been looking forward to building towards and, and hoping we would see advancement in this way. You know, the market, we've been forced with uh, drought situations, uh, some just not real good news in our industry. So it's it's a great opportunity for us to supply a product uh, that we we really have a great input into Japan and can increase even more. And, and looking to fulfill the market and expand it wherever we can in that aspect. Alexander said this move is an important step forwards in paving the way towards greater export opportunities to one of our largest export markets. The expanded exports for beef producers are a really important issue. You know, we sell uh, really about only 10% of our product goes to 96% of the world's population as most of our product is sold domestically. But uh, in Japan alone last year did about $850 million worth of beef. Uh, so we would certainly expect that to increase with the moving of the age uh, restriction from 20 to under 30 months. So it's really a, a good shot in the arm, something we're really looking forward to. Through November 2012, Japan was the second largest export market for U.S. beef, totaling $849 million and nearly 130 metric tons. Alexander added that this announcement is a shot in the arm to market and producers facing continued drought, high input costs, and increasing federal regulation. And for our specialty crop producers, this report on a big conference that was held this week. 
example, the American Seed Trade Association held their annual vegetable and flower seed conference this week in Arizona, where President and CEO Andy Levine explains the two areas they focused on this year. One is on the marketing aspects of what is going on in the industry today and moving seed, both here in the United States and globally. And then it's on the science issues that are impacting the industry today, new breeding techniques, new varieties that are coming out that are resistant to diseases that are impacting the vegetable grower today. So we really look at it from the standpoint of moving seed globally as well as the farmer and how we can help him address those diseases that are impacting his yield and production. In addition, Levine also adds that specialty crop growers have a number of other challenges before them as well. First and foremost, that demand for land and agriculture production today with crop prices strong in the commodity areas, you've really got a tight availability of land. And so you have a vegetable producers trying to make sure that they've got the acreage available and you've got seed companies trying to make sure they have land to produce seed. And we will wrap up for this week with Everett Greiner. Agroburbia. Ever heard that word? Neither had I. I read it. Agroburbia. It's communities and housing developments built on or adjacent to farmland. A rapidly growing number of families are choosing this location and it's not expected to stop. Now most of these places are not too far from the city which makes commuting to work easy. They not only offer some more laid-back style of life, some say it's safer, and it's unquestionably better for raising kids. That's not my opinion now. I read it. Another advantage, it puts families closer to a reliable source of fresh, healthy food. Farmers in agroburbia have already learned to take advantage of this opportunity. All right, agronomics, agribusiness, now agroburbia. We're not just doing it, we're living it. And remember, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.